Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. It's finally time for the Super Bowl. We're going to give you our Super Bowl preview and picks. We're going to talk about all the latest NFL news. Might even cover some college basketball today. We'll see what we get to. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. Some of you are watching us on the Belly Up TV network that you can find on the Roku channel. If you download the Belly Up Sports uh, uh, app, you can also find us on the Tiki Live app any, on any streaming TV. And uh, just search for Belly Up in the Tiki Live channels, and you'll find us there as well. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 7 a.m. and 2 p.m. I'm joined, as I am in most of my episodes, by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, uh, happy Super Bowl week. Yes. Yeah. Well, happy Super Bowl week to you. It's it's, it's a great time, and um, this should be a fun weekend. Again, being up here in Ohio, there is a lot of talk about the Super Bowl. <laughs> People who normally don't say follow football a whole lot are real excited about this weekend here. So I have seen more Bengals paraphernalia this week than I've probably seen in my life uh, here in Lexington, Kentucky. Everybody's wearing the jackets and the hats and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting, but hey, I'm happy for them. I'm happy for the fan base. It's it's always exciting when you get to the championship level. I think of baseball. I'm a Brewers fan. I haven't been able to celebrate a Brewers World Series, and uh, I haven't even got to watch and cheer them on in a World Series. We're so close. 
not that long ago, but uh, I understand the excitement level that is there, and I'm excited for all Bengals fans and for all Rams fans as well. Dad, do you think St. Louis is happy for the Rams? Uh, I would doubt it from what I know. I, I, it seemed like there were pretty rough feelings when that happened. I'm sure there are some fans that do. Um, but, you know, a lot of fans stay loyal. It's been interesting up here in Ohio. I wonder kind of how the Browns fans would yeah. react. You know, well, you know, Cincinnati, you know, the Bengals are from Ohio. What I have seen pretty much across the board is the Brown fans have no interest in the Bengals winning this at all. So they've stayed very, very much Browns fans. I've still seen a lot of Browns hats and stuff around this week. So it's been interesting. Yeah, I wonder if the Rams fans, as as much as they were mad that they left and all that kind of stuff, I wonder if you know, a good majority of them now are, are Rams fans again, if that makes sense. They they were mad and they're like, nope, we hate the Rams. Now they're in the Super Bowl. They're like, oh, yeah, I've always cheered for the Rams. I've, I've been a Royal Rams fan my whole life. But I don't know any Rams fans. I reached out to our podcast network, uh, Belly Up Sports Network, and uh, to try to find a Rams fan and a Bengals fan to come on the show tonight, there were none. Uh, so not a, not a lot of Rams and Bengals fans represented in the Belly Up Sports Network. But um Nonetheless, here we sit, Dad, and we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. It's an exciting, exciting time. I'm looking forward to it. I already got the menu planned and uh, excited for the game. Should be a good game. I think overall, we, we should be in for a really good Super Bowl. I think the teams are well, evenly matched. You get the Rams playing at home, but it's not the same kind of home field advantage as you would typically have for a team playing at home in the Super Bowl. So they were loud against San Francisco, but they also... San Francisco fans were loud too. And so I'm interested to see how the fans turn out. How do you think that'll work in the Super Bowl? There, I mean, LA, there's just not a ton of Rams fans in LA. So uh, uh, how do you think that'll work with the, with the fan bases? Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, that's interesting to see because last year, you know, we had Tampa, but with, uh, with COVID, you know, you didn't have a full stadium. So you don't know. Um, I would assume there'd be a few more Rams fans being it's in LA. Uh, there's probably some more interest and access, but I know there's so much interest. Um, here I was trying, trying to think today. I think I heard that when they left, the airport here in Cincinnati, there were 30,000 fans there or something wow. like that. So um, I, I think there'd be a good showing from both and Super Bowls usually draw people from all around. So I wouldn't think it'd be a, you know, a home crowd advantage, um, but there'd be probably more Rams fans. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see how, how it shakes out. I think there might be more people cheering for the Bengals in the stadium, not necessarily Bengals fans, but people that go to the game and choose to cheer for the Bengals um, as opposed to the Rams. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I was impressed with the Rams fans against San Francisco because San Francisco fans were loud. There was a bunch of them there, but it felt like the Rams fans made noise as well and and did their part at the very least uh, as well. Before we get further into this Super Bowl preview, I want to remind everybody today's episode is presented by Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live. Starting a week from Sunday, February the 20th, Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live will air every Sunday at 8 p.m. You can find us on the Belly Up Sports TV network. Uh, you can also find us on Tiki Live. Catch us on the Belly Up Fantasy Facebook and Twitter pages. And um, Kevin Wilson and myself will bring you the uh, the latest and greatest fantasy baseball show 
out there. We love doing it. We'll be doing player rankings here to get started. We'll have a draft in March and uh, looking forward to that as well. And then throughout the whole season, whatever that season is, uh, we'll keep you up to date on everything going on in the fantasy baseball world. Uh, all right. So, Dad, I, want, I wanted to do this little exercise today for each of us. We're going to look at each team and why those teams should win. Before we before we give our picks, so try your best not to give, give away your pick in doing this. Uh, but I want us to look why each team can win or should win or will win, however you want to word it. And let's start with the Rams. And uh, what would you say are the reasons why the Rams will win uh, the Super Bowl this year? Um, I think it would be experience. They've been there before. The coach has been there before. They've been through this. And, of course, they have a lot of veteran players. Um, I don't know how many necessarily have been in the Super Bowl, but, um, uh, you know, in some ways I think they have a very veteran team. And to me, the thing that would give them an edge would be they've been there before, which I hear that always helps. Um, I think their coach, you know, is a very good coach, and he's been there before, even though they did not win. So he knows this time a little more how to prepare the team. I think that would be why the Rams would win. He makes some good points because you know one of the things we talk about being there before. What? Why is that important? So we we know the leading up to the game, there's so much extra press, there's extra things going on that kind of steal your attention. Then the half times longer. The, the start of the game, the pregame stuff goes longer. So it's not you, – you get out of routine. And we know that professional athletes, they need their routines. And uh, and so being there before, I think that's where that helps them. I look at uh, the Rams and why they should win. I think because of the talent on their team, just from top to bottom, from offense to defense to special teams, they've got the most complete team maybe in the NFL, honestly. that They didn't perform that way this season. Uh, but we're not talking about why they're going to lose. We're talking about why they're going to win. And so I look at guys like Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Von Miller on defense, amongst others. And then on the offensive side, obviously their passing game is is elite. Uh, Matt Stafford is is a very good quarterback, but he's got great receivers there with him. Odell Beckham Jr. has come alive since he came to L.A. and looked like the receiver that Cleveland thought they were getting but never got. Then you add on top of that, they're healthier at running back as well so they've got kind of the, the full slate there and an opportunity now to go into this game with just a stacked roster and i think when you look at it on paper there's no reason why the rams should lose this game on sunday hence the reason they're the favorite uh and i think that is why the rams should win on sunday now let's transition to the cincinnati Bengals. and uh i'll ask you first again dad why will the Bengals win this weekend um, it's really kind of um, almost a contradiction of the thing I said with the Rams, but I think the deal with the Bengals is they have nothing to lose. Uh, they're the underdog. Uh, it can always be a help sometime when you're an underdog. I do think um, most of America, if they're not Rams fans, will be for Cincinnati because it is an underdog story, and Joe Burrow um, is a young quarterback that's done great. And um, so I, I, I think in some ways they can play <clears throat> can play loose. Now, again, you know, the Super Bowl can really put a lot of t- tension and stress. But um, I think there's, you know, they can play loose and one because they're young. Um, I think, you know, they're, they've been very, very hot lately, played very good football coming down the stretch here. And the young players are the ones that do it with um, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. 
And those are people that, you know, that, that, that can break the game wide open. They have a lot of other people who can catch the ball. Mixon does a good job um, there. And um, I think in their defense, you know, we've talked about this, but lately their defense has a knack of making the big play. <clears throat> they can get the sack when they need to. Um, they can get the fumble when they need to. And again, I think the defense will have nothing to lose here. They'll just be able to put their ears back and go. And um, so I think that's why the Bengals, again, you know, they have talent. They have young talent. Uh, maybe it'll help them not know how nervous they need to be. And they'll just be excited to go out there and play. Make some great points. The pressure is on L.A., isn't it? Sean yeah. McVay, he's, you know, pressure's on him because he's back for a second time now. Matt Stafford, veteran quarterback, gets traded to a team that has the talent. If he doesn't win with L.A., you know, they, that hurts his legacy to some degree as well. Uh, so you're right. That's a great point. I think the reason why the Bengals will win on Sunday comes down to really two words. And those two words are Joe Burrow. Uh, this kid, it's mind-blowing. The moxie this kid has, he has what they call the it factor. Everything about this kid screams superstar, champion, uh, great, all those kinds of things. Joe Burrow, he, he wills his teams to win. Now, I say that they only won 10 games this season. They were the four seed in the playoffs. So, obviously, they're not perfect. Uh, they have their faults. They have their, 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 their issues, their offensive line being one of those. Um, but I think ultimately if the Bengals win this game, it's going to be a Joe Burrow game. I think he's going to be electric. He's got the offensive weapons, three phenomenal receivers. I think all three of his receivers are number one receivers. Typically you've got your superstar and then sometimes you have some really good, uh, role guys or whatever it may be. Even when you look at new England's super bowls, when they had the Julian Edelman, he's not a superstar, um, you know, the, the, those Welsh Welker, those kinds of guys, they were great at one thing or s specific things. When you look at the Bengals weapons, Jamar chase, clearly uh, a great receiver and the right pick for Cincinnati this past year. Uh, T Higgins should be on the Packers. He's not because they drafted Jordan love, but T Higgins, a great receiver. Tyler Boyd is so underrated. He is phenomenal. He is as good as anybody. I think on the Rams team, and that's saying a lot considering Cooper Cup and OBJ are over there. Those three receivers, you throw in Joe Mixon, they're banged up at tight end. Uh, that could become an issue. But I think that between Joe Mixon and P. Ryan in the backfield, you have some good weapons there. And like I said, it comes down to Joe Burrow. Yes, the defense is going to have to show up. They're going to have to get a turnover, and Matt Stafford will throw him one. They just got to catch it. Uh, but at the end of the day, this one comes down to Joe Burrow. The Bengals, if they win on Sunday, I will be shocked. If Joe Burrow uh, is is not the reason for it, he is he is the guy we saw it at LSU, um, and we've seen it so far this season, especially in these playoffs. Joe Burrow's the reason Cincinnati will win. Dad, can you think of a quarterback that has had this kind of impact? You know, I'm trying to think. Ben Roethlisberger uh, went to the Super Bowl, I think, as a rookie, uh, at least early on in his career. Um, you know, the other great young quarterbacks, Andrew Luck. He didn't get there. Peyton Manning, it took him a number of years. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I guess, would be another one that got there early as well. Um, but there's the the impact that Joe Burrow has had on this organization 
is absolutely incredible. And yes, they put some pieces around him that help, no doubt. But if I was a kid, I would be a Bengals fan over and over and over again because of Joe Burrow. And that's the kind of impact I think he's going to have on the generation that's coming up now watching watching the Super Bowl this year. I mean, do you see that as well? Yes. Um, it, I, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he has proven – um, you know, he came back from the injury and he's been able to lead him. Uh, like I said, his offensive line is suspect at times. He had some games here, what playoff games where he got sacked a bunch, but that doesn't seem to throw him, you know, physically he's able to play through that. And, um, as far as, you know, he can just come back the next play and, and, and make the throw. He can make the throws. I do think, like you said, he's the leadership on the team, um, yeah, if I think no matter what, he's going to be a you know they're already talking him you know in some pretty lofty comparisons, and if he wins the Super Bowl, um, you know I, if he can handle the fame, he he's going to be the next guy everybody's talking about for a while, no doubt about it. And like I said, he's gotten there quicker. Then, um, you know, you think Andrew Luck did come along good, but, you know, didn't make it to the Super Bowl. And so, um, you know, he, he's doing great. Won a national championship and followed us up with a Super Bowl. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I mean, and you said if he could handle the fame, I think he can. Now, would he handle it the way that I would handle it or I think that I would handle it? No. But at the same time, he has the respect of his locker room. He seems to understand, you know, who he is, what he's doing. Um, and it's not, he's not too big for it. It's not too big for him. And to me, it's just incredible. His, his mental strength that he appear, appears to have to me is what's mind blowing. Uh, cause we've seen other young quarterbacks look frazzled at different times. And you said it, he got sacked nine times against the Titans and, and yet they win. Now the, the old line comes out and the offensive coordinator does a great job. Uh, Bill Callahan, I think is the offensive coordinator. He did a great job of, uh, of, working out against Kansas City where they got the ball out. He didn't get hit as much. and uh, But you're right. When he does get hit, he just gets up and goes at it again. He, he's not phased by anything. Now, well, does that mean he might have a shorter career? <laughs> Maybe. But at the end of the day, this is his game to win. And uh, you want to talk about an, the ultimate superstar? It'll be Joe, Joe Burrow if he wins the Super Bowl. If he loses, he'll still be a star. There's still be people that love him and and there's still be young people that, that think he's great and all that kind of stuff. But if he wins the Super Bowl, he is the next guy that everybody's talking about. Everybody's gonna forget about Patrick Mahomes for a while. They're gonna forget about Josh Allen for a little bit, and they're gonna put all their focus on Joe Burrow and what he can be. And I think it's good for the NFL. I think it's it's neat to see a smaller market in Cincinnati having the success they're having with a guy they drafted. Um, uh, along with other people that they drafted. A lot of the success they're having right now, all three of those receivers were drafted. Um, the, the, a lot of their defensive that impact guys, now they brought in a guy from New Orleans last year in Hendrickson, but they've drafted a lot of these guys uh, from Joe Mixon and on. And here we sit with the Bengals, a great opportunity. Dad, the first Super Bowl I can remember, and I, I think, think this is correct, uh, if I have my orders correct, but I think it was Cincinnati and San Francisco. The first one that I really remember watching was Cincinnati and San Francisco. And, uh, and I know, you know, mom grew up in Ohio, so she was, uh, partial to the, to the Bengals there, but, um, pretty much since that time, since the icky wood days, the boomer Sison days, the Bengals have never been anything worth writing home about. They've had some good seasons here and there. They made the playoffs with Andy Dalton, but they just weren't any good. Even though Carson Palmer was there for a while, they had hope, but 
never came never came through. And they drafted Akili Smith. That didn't work out. They draft Joe Burrow. It has worked out. I think it's exciting to see see it from there. All right. Uh, so here's the moment of truth, Dad. Uh, we have not talked about our picks. I don't know who you're picking. You don't know who I'm picking. But uh, we're going to start with you. The Rams are the favorite. Of course, they're at home. They're four-point favorite, four-and-a-half, depending on where you're looking. Um, we're not picking against the spread. We're just picking straight up. But, Dad, uh, who is your pick for the Super Bowl and why? Um, you know, it, it's a tough one. Um, and you want me to make a pick. It'd be easy for me to say this is who I want to win and here's who I think will win. But um, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I think they're hot. I think, like you said, the pressure is on the Rams. And I think um, if, as long as the Bengals can keep it close and even, you know, the other day it looked like, well, they were out of it and, you know, they just came roaring back. And um, I, I, I think they're the hot team and I think the pressure could get to L.A. I think they both have good kickers, but we know the Cincinnati kicker can win it if it comes down close. And uh, it's going to be, you know, in, in good weather. So uh, I guess it is supposed to be a little warm there, which it has not been warm up here in Ohio for the last month, but um, they'll be just fine. So I, I, I'll go with Cincinnati. So I have a fair amount of Bengals friends, fans that are Bengal, Bengal fans that are friends. I didn't know they were Bengal fans. Don't get me wrong. I just found out recently. But um, so for them, I'm hoping Cincinnati wins. I'll be cheering for Cincinnati in the game. But I'm going to pick the Los Angeles Rams. I think when you look at the experience on their team and who they have, ultimately they're the team that's going to win this game. And I'm sorry I'm having some technical issues here. Let me fix that real quick for you. Um having all kinds of fun issues here today with the technology stuff, but, uh, okay, we're good. Uh, so anyways, I'm picking the Los Angeles Rams. I think that, uh, Matt Stafford's going to get a super bowl. I think that when you have a defense that includes Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, it's just a little too much to overcome. I think the the defense will get to Joe Burrow. And I think at the end of the day, uh, Los Angeles will win at home. Uh, against Cincinnati. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I'm not sure if we were picking against the spread. I'm not sure that I wouldn't pick Cincinnati, honestly. But uh, when it comes to who's going to win, I'm going to go with the Rams, even though I'm going to be cheering for the Bengals. I just think this is the Rams the Rams game. They got too much talent on that roster to, uh, you know, to lose this game, in my opinion. But like I said, if the Bengals do win, it's going to be a Joe Burrow legacy game. It's going to be incredible. And uh, the moxie that he'll show is great. But as as big a Packer fans as we are, I think we both kind of think if Stafford wins it, it'll be kind of a, you know, we'll applaud that, I would guess, right? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think Stafford's a good guy. I think that uh, anybody that has suffered through Detroit um, deserves, <laughs> deserves something good in life. <laughs> so, so there's there's that as well. Uh, but uh, anyways, so there we go. I got the Rams. You got the Bengals. We'll see how it all shakes out Sunday night at the Super Bowl. Uh, and Dad, I'm sure you're super excited about the big halftime show, right? I'm sure you're. Uh, that's all that you're really watching for. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm uh, yeah. The, the halftime show is always the highlight, no doubt about that. It's a highlight because you can go get something to eat and check on scores and other games and stuff like that. So that, <laughs> that's kind of what you do. Hey, talking about Super Bowl, um, yeah. I didn't tell you about this ahead of time, but I did a little, a, just a little digging for the fun of it on trivia. I kind of knew about this, but um, of course, this is Super Bowl Fifty Six, so there's been fifty five of them. <clears throat> There are still four teams who have not been in the Super Bowl, and then there are eight more teams who have not won the Super Bowl. They've been in it but have not won, which is kind of amazing. But as I looked and thought about it and checked, there's only one division that has all their teams have won the Super Bowl. Um, which division is that? One division, all the teams have won at least one Super Bowl. My first guess was going to be the AFC West, but that's not true because the Chargers have not won one. Uh, so that would take me down to the AFC South. Let me think who's – or East, excuse me. The AFC East would be my guess. No, Buffalo hasn't made it in. All right, so scratch that one. Um, the NFC East. The NFC East. They have yeah. all won at least one Super Bowl. Yeah, Washington, um, they got theirs back with, uh, what was Doug, what's was the quarterback's name? Doug Williams. Doug Williams, yeah. Uh, of course, the Eagles, they got the one recently as well against uh, New England, the Nick Foles game. Uh, Dallas had a, had a great run there for a while, and the Giants, several different uh, eras of Super Bowls, Bill Parcells uh, and the Eli Manning stuff as well. There, I was trying to think through it quickly, but the, yeah, the bill the Bills are one of those teams, right? They've been to the Super Bowl, never won the Super Bowl. Correct. Yep. And I yeah. remember, like I said, there are there are eight eight teams like that: Carolina, Minnesota, Atlanta, the Chargers, Arizona, Buffalo, Cincinnati, up to now, and Tennessee. And that Tennessee goes back to Houston as well, or no? Do you know? No, no, that was when they played the Rams the first year. They right, were, but I'm the saying they were in Nashville. Yeah, but I'm saying the history of the Titans goes back to the Oilers as well. Yeah, the Texans, the Texans are not the Oilers. The Titans are the Oilers, right. um, and everything from there. Yeah, that's great. And the four teams that have never been, I'm trying to think real quick: uh, the Jaguars, the Texans. Who and else? Then the, the other two are old franchises. Detroit. That makes sense. And Cleveland. Cleveland. That's right. That's right. Okay. And so let's talk about those four teams real quick, Dad. Um, Jacksonville, Houston, Detroit, Cleveland. Which of those four teams are the first ones to make a Super Bowl? That's a good question. <laughs> I think it's Jacksonville at the I, moment. Yeah. Look- I, at first, I would have said Cleveland, but then I thought maybe probably Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's the closest when it comes to roster, but I don't think Baker Mayfield's the guy to get them there. When are they going to get a quarterback in place? If they make a big move, get like a Russell Wilson, maybe. Um, Jacksonville seems like they have the best opportunity just when you think of you know what Trevor Lawrence can be and all that kind of stuff. I would go Jacksonville over Cleveland. Um, Houston's a, a long way off, you would think. And then uh, Detroit, they don't seem very close either. So sorry, Lions fans. Uh, but that's the way I see it, at least. I'd go Jacksonville, Cleveland, Detroit, and I'd go Houston last uh, in in that pairing. But, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's interesting. 
uh, to see it. The Bills, you would think the Bills are the first one to get off the list of made it to the Super Bowl and have won because Josh Allen and what he can bring, you would think that team would continue to build, although they lost a lot of coaching staff this year uh, as well. We'll see how that impacts them, but um, interesting nonetheless. The NFC East, the only only division with all four teams to make it and win a Super Bowl, correct? Is that, was that what yeah. it was? Okay. Yes. All right, so there you go. There's our Super Bowl picks. Uh, Dad, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break and uh, let the people hear about the Sports Podcast Awards. Uh, we've been nominated in two categories. Our show that you're listening to now, our Monday and Friday episodes, were nominated for Best News and Current Affairs Podcast. And then our Wednesday episode, The Local Hour, is nominated for the Best College Sports Podcast and our coverage of Eastern Kentucky University. So we're going to uh, jump away for a quick break to hear a little bit more about the Sports Podcast Awards. Not just us, two other podcasts in the Belly Up Sports Network have been nominated as well. So we'll hear about them. Then we'll come back and we'll talk some more NFL news when we come back. What's going on, Belly Up Sports fans? Thanks for tuning in to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We have some really exciting news for several Belly Up Podcast Network shows. The Sports Stove Podcast, the Rough Cut Sportscast, and here in Puckburg have all been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com and make sure to vote for the Sports Stove Podcast for Best College Sports Podcast and Best News and Current Affairs Podcast. Vote for the Rough Cut Sportscast for Best American Football Podcast and vote for Here in Puckford for Best Winter Sports Podcast. Again, that website is sportspodcastawards.com. Thanks for being the best part of Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't. Thank you for that message, and it's good to remember. You know, it's funny that I I haven't talked a lot about it recently, but being a part of the Belly Up Podcast Network and Belly Up Sports, and I want to say thanks to Mike Brown and Blaine as well for their uh, help and their support of our of our show. Uh, I write a few articles here and there on BellyUpSports.com, but uh, a lot of this show and and Belly Up's been a big part of that. And one of the opportunities they've given me is to co-host the Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live. Again, today's episode is sponsored by that program. Starting Sunday, February 20th, 8 p.m. every Sunday, me and Kevin Wilson will bring the all the latest fantasy baseball news to you, and we'll bring on guests uh, each week as well to talk about different baseball news topics, guys like Graham Wallace, who's been on our show several times, and others as well. So looking forward to that. Back to football, Dad. Uh, the coaching carousel has officially come to a stop. Uh, all nine teams have found their new head coaches. Four coaches with previous head coaching experience. Five coaches, first time as a head coach in the NFL uh, for these teams. So I want to start by going through these, Dad. We're going to look at a couple thoughts on these. But uh, we talked about several of them already. Jacksonville hired Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning quarterback, Super Bowl winning head coach, Doug Peterson. Uh, the Saints go with the in-house hire of Dennis Allen. The Raiders go with the uh, questionable, who knows, could be great, could be horrible, Josh McDaniels uh, from New England. The Houston Texans bring, bring in <laughs> Lovey Smith, who was on the staff last year, uh, most recently fired from the University of Illinois. Uh, Lovey Smith is there. Then the five new coaches, the Vikings go with McConnell from the Rams. The Dolphins go with Mike McDaniel from San Francisco. The Giants go with Brian Dayball from Buffalo. The Bears, Matt Eberflus 
from Indianapolis, and the Broncos go with Nathaniel Hackett from Green Bay. Let's start. I want to. Uh, well, let's start with this best hire. Who, who do you think won the coaching carousel this year? Um, I think it was Jacksonville. I think the best hire is Peterson. I think he fits what they need. I think he fits what they need with the quarterback and um, with his experience. There were several that I think are, are really good. Actually, I think New Orleans probably did the right thing there. Uh, didn't, didn't really think about that, but that made some sense. But to me, Jacksonville probably had the, made the best hire. I'm going to go with the Giants. I think Brian Dayball was a great pick by the Giants. Again, we talked about this one. We talked about him originally getting hired. What he was able to do with Josh Allen, if he can do anything close to that with Daniel Jones, then all of a sudden they didn't waste the draft pick on Daniel Jones. All of a sudden, the other talent they have on the team, they can they can start filling in around them some more. They, you know, I didn't like their drafts last year. Didn't think it was good, uh, but. Uh, I think Brian Dayball was a great slayer. I think Doug Peterson's a great coach. I think it's a good hire for sure. But I think the Giants have the the best chance to turn things around quicker uh, with Brian Dayball as their head coach and calling the plays and things like that as well. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that how that adjusts. I think uh, you know you mentioned some other things that you thought were good. I thought the Mike McDaniel hire in Miami was good as well. I think that's kind of where they wanted to go the whole time. And it uh, seems like he's putting together a pretty solid staff as well. So, again, it all leans on what can he do with Tua. Um, but I think that was a pretty decent hire as well. I like the Matt Eberflus hire originally in Chicago, Dad, but I'm not impressed with his staff. I don't think he's done a great job filling out his staff. You and I disagree that his offensive coordinator, how that'll turn out, the uh, former Packers uh, quarterback coach, Getze. But um, that one kind of has turned me a little bit more sour on the Bears um, let's go worse hire, and uh, then I'll, I'll give some more thoughts on some of these hires that I have. But uh, who do you think was the 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 loser of the coaching carousel? Um, I think the one that'll end up in some ways. Um, I looked at it, and um, I think it's Las Vegas is losing. I think Josh McDaniels is not a head coach. Um, I think he had problems before. Now, he's the one that was going to go to Indianapolis, correct, and then pulled yeah. out. Um, yeah. But apart from that, he has been interviewed a lot over the last two or three years and not been hired. So I, it seems like there's something there. And, again, he did not do well in Denver. And um, he's now he's got some talent to work with. He's got a quarterback, you know, in Las Vegas. Um, but again, you know, he, he you know he's always been able to retreat to New England, work with Belichick, and um, I'm just not sure he's he was a good choice to be the head coach. Yeah, I can see that. I think you know, second opportunities are huge, and an opportunity to come in and learn from his past mistakes. I'm interested to see how he does with it. Um, one of the issues with Belichick guys is they come in trying to be Belichick. And we've seen that not work in a lot of places. <laughs> um, uh, you think of Detroit, um, you know, that didn't work out for them. Uh, Flores, even to some degree, although he was a great coach, there seemed to be some things that kind of wore on some people. And I don't think, I, I still think Flores shouldn't have gotten fired in Miami, but nonetheless. Um, so when you have these Belichick guys, you got to be careful with the attitude that you come in. Do you expect to be 
to be immediately have your team act like the Patriots. If you do, it's probably not going to work out. Josh McDaniels has had a lot of time since his last time being a head coach. I like to think that people mature and, and with this second opportunity, he'll make the most out of it. I, I don't know. That's one I'm on the fence on Dan. Um, I'm not going to call it my worst cause it could, I think it could turn out great, but it could also get really ugly, really fast down there. I think my worst hire, my first thought has to be the Texans. Um, it's almost like nobody wanted the job and instead of giving it to somebody who didn't deserve it, a guy like Josh McCown, um, they decided to go with a guy that could maybe kind of steady the flow a little bit. Lovey Smith is a guy that's well-respected. Um, he had some okay years in Chicago and, but the deal is, is Lovey Smith's not being hired to take Houston to the Super Bowl. He's being hired to kind of get by for maybe two, three years, and then they'll go hire somebody else. I'd be scared that you're going to fire me after one year if I was anybody taking the Houston job. So um, I won't make that as the worst hire. I think that's going to be the worst outcome probably. Uh, but I think it's the Saints, Dad. I don't like the Dennis Allen hire. Uh, I felt like they – I don't understand why Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a job. Now, maybe he's turned him down. Maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he's got something else worked out. I don't know the details, but to me – if I'm New Orleans, the two guys I was looking at was Bienemy and Byron Leftwich. And I think both of those guys would have been better hires than Dennis Allen. Now, Dennis Allen knows the Saints. He knows their uh, you know, their the the feeling of the building. The players seem to like him. Um, he's been around there for a little while. Supposedly he's kind of been trained to a degree for this job. Um, so I guess that makes a little sense, but to me. The enemy or left, which I would have easily ranked above Dennis Allen uh, in this job. I think the Saints made a mistake, and they're but they're a team that's in flux too, right? They don't have a quarterback. We talked about that before. Um, Alvin Kamara just got arrested in Vegas. Uh, their best wide receiver didn't play last year, and kind of looks like a head case. Not sure if he'll ever play again, at least for the Saints. So I, I don't know. That whole situation's kind of kind of crazy. I, that's why I would have gone with somebody like. Uh, Eric Bieniemy over Dennis Allen. I think overall, Dad, the coaching hires were better this year than last year. Uh, last year we had Coley in Houston that didn't make any sense. Um, you had Philadelphia hire I didn't think made any sense, and the Detroit hire didn't make any sense to me. Even though the players love Dan Campbell, not sure he's a Super Bowl winning winning coach. Um, those three hires to me, they were guys that should easily should have been considered over those guys this year. Dennis Allen, he's got experience. He's been in the system, so I see it. Uh, McConnell in Minnesota makes sense, right? Everybody's trying to get the next Sean McVay, uh, the next hot offensive uh, uh, person. Nathaniel Hackett, again, to me, was a little bit of a reach. I know I like him. Um, I felt like maybe that was a little bit of a reach, trying to maybe you know get Aaron Rodgers to come. I'm not sure. But I think he's a good coach, and I think I think he's actually – I think a lot of people will undervalue what Nathaniel Hackett can do in Denver. So depending on what they do at quarterback, of course, will determine a lot of what happens with him. So at the end of the day, I'm going to go Dennis Allen. Um, and although, like I said, with the the staff that Matt Eberflus has put together, I've gone way down. When they first hired Eberflus, I thought, oh, that's a really good hire. I don't like the staff he's putting together. And I think Chicago might be in trouble um, if they're depending on their offense to be what gets them to the next level. Any other thoughts on hires you didn't think were that good? 
Um, no, again, I, I think, you know, for the most part, um, I agree. I do think they're better this year than last year. Um, you know, and of course, when you mentioned ones that didn't work out, Jacksonville didn't work out at all either, right, even though right. it looked like it might. And um, so I don't know that there'll be any train wrecks like we had last year, this year, but um, we will see. Lovey Smith was interesting. You know, I kind of didn't see that coming, but didn't know who was going to be there. Um, and it will be a stabilizing um, influence from there. Um Again, I, I think Allen was a good thing in New Orleans because we had talked the other day. Um, coming in behind Sean Payton is going to be hard, and there's going to be comparisons. So I think him keeping the system the way it is, um, I, to me, that may not be a bad transition thing. Is he going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know about that, but um, it may be an easier transition following him than it would be for somebody to come in following Sean Payton's what makes some sense um, to me. But, we'll, you know, we'll see about some of these. And I've been saying McConnell. It's O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell uh, there in Minnesota. Uh, his staff that he's working on, rumors are, Dad, and these are solid rumors, uh, defensive coordinator to join Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, Ed Donatel, has been around the league for quite some time. And then also it looks like they're making a hard push to get Mike Munchak to come in as their offensive line coach. And and of all the negative Titans things in our lives, I don't think Mike Munchak was one of them, at least in my opinion. Mike Munchak was always somebody I looked at and go, boy, yeah, that's that was a good hire. Uh, good to have him around the, the program and, and, a, and a pretty solid dude. Yes. Now, if he gets those guys in, he's definitely bringing in a good staff um, with him there. No doubt about that. Munchak, of course, was a great player and I think yeah. was a good coach. Um, I'm, I'm not sure letting him go was the right thing when they did, but you never know. Yep. And it's, that reminds me of a story. We had a, uh, uh, high school recruit on, uh, early on in our, in our show, uh, a couple of years ago. And he was, uh, uh, offensive lineman in football and a baseball player, pitcher and baseball. And he was being recruited by Kevin Mawai, the former center, uh, NFL center out at Arizona. He's out at Arizona state now. And I asked him, I was like, man, what's it like to be recruited by Kevin Mawai? The kid had no idea who Kevin Mawai was other than that on Madden had a 99 rating. <laughs> I thought, oh, my goodness, where have we come to in life? That's it. But, hey, that is what it is, I guess, right? That's it. <laughs> All right. Anything else in the NFL that has stuck out to you that you've seen uh, that you want to discuss? Um, no, I mean, as far as the coaching stuff, I, I, I think it'll be interesting. Of course, now we're heading toward the draft and everything there. So let's talk about this, dad. I didn't talk to you pregame about our pre-show about this. So hopefully it doesn't, uh, it doesn't throw you for a loop. But one of the things that, that I haven't heard a whole lot talk about yet, but you know, it's going to come up is the minority issue with the coaches. Um, Lovey Smith is, uh, African-American and then, uh, they're saying Mike, McDaniel for the Dolphins is biracial. Um, so those are the two minority hires uh, this year out of nine. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to be careful because it is such a sensitive topic with this. I think at the end of the day, NFL teams, they have to hire the best guy for the job. And they can't they can't look at race, right? They can't be, well, we're going to hire a minority just to, to help the cause. Well, then you're getting fired because if, if that doesn't work out. You're getting fired. You've got to hire the right coach. And if it's a minority, great. If it's not, 
then it, then it's not. And uh, you know, this year, I'm again. I mean, you look at Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich, Todd Bowles were the names that were getting floated around the most. None of those guys end up with a job uh, this year. Do you think it's an issue? Obviously, the NFL has had its issues um, when it comes to uh, being fair and and following rules when it comes to the diversity and stuff like that. But um, do you think it's an issue this year, or do you think because the the coaches it seems to be qualified for these jobs that got hired that it's really not that big of an issue this year? Well, I think it's going to be a, a, a huge issue. Um, we talked about it earlier. I had mentioned that if 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 the hiring did not go a certain way, I I think there'll be waves made at the Super Bowl. I don't think there'll be any doubt about that. Um, how it'll be covered, I don't know. But yes, I think so. I think seeing today the commissioner's um, comment as he tried to explain it, um, you know, he said, "Well, we fell 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 short." Yeah, I don't think that that's going to satisfy a whole lot of people there. Um, again, you know, they, they lost two minorities. They they replaced two minorities. But um, without it being, you know, four or five, um, I, I agree. I think the general managers and the owners should be able to hire who they think is the best coach. Um, but like I said, they're going to, you know, may, maybe the emphasis will go strictly on the Rooney rule and how that's going to be revised and the discussions is going to be done about that. So maybe it won't be as big a deal because, well, Hey, we know what's a problem now and this has got to be changed. Um, but, uh, no, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to, I think it's going to be somewhat of a problem for at least a little while here. Yeah, I think it. I don't think it's going to be as big a deal just because these hires were legit hires. I mean, they, these guys are all legit candidates. Hackett again is probably the one guy you can look at, and, and going into the year, you wouldn't have seen his name pop up a whole lot as a head coach. But um, you know, and Lovey Smith probably as well. But uh, you know, I think again, you look at the candidates, and you got to ask why. Um, why? Why hasn't Bienemy been hired? Is there? I mean, is it stuff with the interview? Is it? Um, he has turned people down. I, I don't know the answer to that. Same thing with Byron Leftwich. Again, everything that I've seen, Leftwich could have had the Jacksonville job if he wanted it. He said no, uh, so they moved on to Doug Peterson. Uh, I really thought that when he said no to Jacksonville, that meant he was going to New Orleans. But again, Bruce Arians is old. Um, maybe Arians has said, hey, I'm going to be leaving after this year. And Tampa Bay has already said, hey, if you'll stick around, You'll be our next coach. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances behind it. And I don't think that we will know unless they come out and say why they didn't get a job this year. Um, but I think if Bienemy and Leftwich and Bowles and any other minority candidate out there doesn't come out and make a statement and like they've been wronged, I don't think it'll be that big of an issue. But again, I think it's mainly because the guys that got hired are really good candidates and uh, legit candidates as well. And even the minority general managers did not hire minority coaches. And uh, and I think it just, again, proves that you've got to do what's right for your team and do what's best for your team as well. All right. Uh, anything else with that? I, I, again, we didn't talk about that pre-show, so I didn't want to, uh, you know, <laughs> take it get no, off get off yeah, no I, I think it'll be an issue, but we'll we'll see. Hopefully it won't interfere with anything. 
All right, I'm checking to make sure there's no breaking NFL news as we are recording this. It doesn't look like there is, so we'll move on to the next topic. NCAA men's basketball. Uh, what a crazy season it's been so far. Auburn, the number one team in the nation, uh, falls to Arkansas uh, in their game here this week. And uh, overtime game, 80-76, to 76, Arkansas gets the win, knocks off number one. Now, we are as anti-Bruce Pearl as probably anybody is. Um, but, uh, it's been crazy at the top this year. It's been crazy all year. Gonzaga's number two, Purdue, number three, Arizona, number four. We'll talk about Kentucky here in a second at number five. Um, but what are your, your thoughts so far on this basketball season, college basketball season? Well, it, it looks like it's going to really be a good tournament because I was looking at it today and I think you can, you look at the top 20 teams now, and probably 12 to 14 of them, you know, um, I think any of them would have a shot from there. Um, now, the next two or three weeks, you know, there are, everybody's going to be playing conference games. So some things are going to shake up a little bit there. And, of course, then we'll have the conference tournaments. Um, I think so far when you look at it, you know, the teams have kind of risen to the top or Purdue, Gonzaga, and Arizona. Again, like I said, I'm not a big Bruce Pearl fan, and I don't know that Auburn will stay there at the end. But I think those three teams have been really solid, and the teams that they have beaten, you know, the, the wins that they have had. Um, but again, I, as I looked at it, I think there's quite a few teams, a good dozen teams that um, any of them, you know, to be interesting to see who the top four seeds are, um, the next two seeds, you know, the, the two, three one, maybe even the four seeds are all going to be, I think, fairly even in a lot of ways, depending how these next couple of weeks, you know, the records may not show that because they're going to, you know, everybody's playing conference games here. Um, but I've been able to watch a little bit of basketball and um, there's some really good teams, um, you know, that have four or five losses right now that definitely can, can make waves um, in the tournament. So it'll be, I, I think it's, it's going to be a good year for college basketball. Yeah. We saw, uh, Duke get beat by Virginia this week as well. So that was pretty exciting. Um, so some good teams that have kind of fallen and, and, uh, you know, not, not achieved what they're supposed to achieve so far this season. Um, one of the teams that's finally coming on strong is the university of Kentucky. And I live in Lexington Everybody here has told me that had the guys not gotten hurt in the Auburn game, Kentucky would have beat Auburn. Um, I still not quite ready to say that, but this Kentucky team is loaded um, as they typically have been. But the difference this year is they've got veteran guys. They've got transfers from Georgia, from Davidson, from West Virginia, guys that played a lot of basketball. They've got guys on their team that have been on the team for a while. And uh, then they've also got two, uh, well, one, I guess, really good freshman. Uh, and, and another freshman that's contributing. So I look at this Kentucky team, Dad, at the beginning of the season, I said, this team is legit. The way that they're built is is correct. They got shooters. They got defenders. Um, they got rebounders. They got gritty guys. All They got everything they need. And this is a team that should be a Final Four team this year. To me, Final Four marks success because anybody can lose on a given night, bad shooting night, the other team goes nuts, whatever it may be. So in my opinion, if you make the Final Four, that's a successful season. And I think Kentucky's headed there. I don't, I don't know if you've gotten to watch much Kentucky this year, but this team is, is looking good, and I think they're legit chance for Final Four and championship team. 
Yes, when when they're playing, I try to watch at least some of the game. And I mean, they're really explosive. You can tell they're really talented and I'm very impressed with that. And, you know, it seems like during some of the game, they'll coast and then all of a sudden they just turn it on and break it open. And <coughs> like I said, I, you know, I don't know a lot about all the players, but they're very talented. It looks like they're fairly deep for sure, too. Yes. Yeah, they've got they've got decent depth. If they lose a certain guy or two, then they're going to be in trouble. But overall, yeah, they're, they've got a good squad, good depth. Uh, Severe Wheeler, Wheeler's the point guard from Georgia. He's been really good for him this year. Kellen Grady's been shooting lights out. Oscar Shibway has been grabbing every rebound. And then Keon Brooks, who's been with the program now, this is his third year, is finally playing like we thought he could could play. So, a lot of good things happening in Lexington. A pretty uh, pretty happy area these days with the Bengals in the Super Bowl, Kentucky playing some good basketball. Uh, so this whole region is pretty solid. Anything else college basketball related? I know you're an Illinois fan. They, they've looked okay this year. Yes, Illinois has looked good. I think they'll be tough in the tournament. They lost to Purdue. <coughs> excuse me here recently, but, um, you know, they, they're one of several teams in the big 10 again, several teams in that top 14 or 15 that uh, can go on a run and have the talent to, to play. Yeah. It's going to be a fun, fun as we're marching, we're getting really close to the end of regular basketball season, uh, getting into conference tournaments and things like that here really soon. And, uh, so it's an exciting time for sure. And we'll see how it all shakes out in the end. I want to tell you that if you're watching us, we're going to have bonus content on the audio version podcast uh, covering the NBA trade deadline. Due to scheduling stuff, we had to record this early. We didn't want to talk NBA stuff until the trade deadline had passed. So on the audio version, we'll throw in a couple minutes of the NBA trade deadline uh, conversation. There's been some great stuff already. Um, Indiana and Sacramento's trade, I got, I got some some thoughts on that one specifically and what Portland's doing as well. But uh, so make sure if you're watching us, you tune into the podcast version, anywhere you get your podcast, sports dope podcast, you can hear the bonus content with the NBA stuff in it as well. You can follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at sports stove. And again, you can catch us every Monday, Wednesday and Friday on the belly up sports TV network uh, or on Tiki Live if you have a streaming television. And uh, then, of course, the podcast drops the same day as well. The audio version catches there. Wednesday's our local hour with EKU. We had a great uh, interviews this past Wednesday. Uh, we talked to EKU uh, men's basketball coach, A.W. Hamilton, to the softball coach, Jane Worthington. Dad, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the episode yet, but uh, Coach Worthington has been the only softball coach in the history of EKU. She's been there now uh, 30, 31 years. I forget exactly how many. Um, so they've never had another softball coach other than her. So that was a fun conversation. Then uh, baseball coach Chris Prothrow has been there. This is his second season. They have a lot of transfers in and a great conversation with those. So if you like softball or if you like baseball, college baseball, uh, take a listen to that episode on Wednesday. Uh, it came out Wednesday, so it's available wherever you get your podcast as well. A reminder, Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live starts February 20th, 8 p.m. every Sunday with Kevin Wilson and myself. We'll bring you everything from there. You can catch us on Belly Up Fantasy's Facebook and Twitter pages, as well as Tiki Live and the Belly Up Sports TV Network. Dad, any closing thoughts, Super Bowl or otherwise related? No, like I said, I think it'll be a good Super Bowl game. Could be a very close one. And... Um, 
I, you know, be interesting to see what I'm sure the networks are hoping, but I think it'll be a very highly watched game. Uh, no doubt about that, because I think, you know, again, you got two good quarterbacks that people are interested in seeing. And that always that that always helps. And like I said, uh, you know, either quarterback that wins, I think, you know, we, we would be happy for them from there. And um, so I think it'd be a good Super Bowl weekend for everybody. What's the best Super Bowl food uh, that you got to eat while you're watching the Super Bowl? Okay, what was that again? The best Super Bowl food that you eat while you're watching the Super Bowl? Well, um, I mean, you know, you have all the popular ones, um, no doubt about that. Um, so, you know, probably nachos and cheese from there, um, something from there. Um, you know, we're still trying to formulate the menu here. We've talked about pigs in a blanket and some of the things I really like there. Um, so we, we will see. We're going wings. We're going chips and queso. Uh, we're doing some uh, kielbasa, uh, some kielbasa and the barbecue sauce kind of things as well. And a couple other things I think are being planned out for it as well. So, yeah, that there's there's nothing better than eating while you're watching the Super Bowl. So, yeah. <laughs> there's that as well. All right. A reminder, if you're watching us, tune into the audio version for the NBA content. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, well, that's coming up next. All right, welcome back into the audio-only special content, the NBA trade deadline. And uh, I want to go through the NBA trades that happened here at the deadline. We are going to work our way backwards. We want to cover all of them. Uh, towards the end, I guess the last trade to go through, Boston gets Daniel Theis, Theis from uh, the Rockets for Dennis Schroeder, Enos Freedom. Bruno Fernando, uh, the Wizards land Christoph Porzingis from the Mavericks in exchange for Spencer Didwitty and Davis Bertans. I think that's a great trade for the Mavericks um, getting off of Porzingis. Finally, they also send a future second round pick, but I think Dinwiddie and Bertans can, can produce and give the Mavericks something and add to their team. Uh, Charlotte gets Montrez Harrell in exchange for Ish Smith and Vernon Carey. Uh, pretty even trade. Suns get rid of Jalen Smith, uh, recent draft pick, and a future second-round pick in exchange for Torrey Craig. Uh, Celtics get Derek White from the Celtic uh, from the Spurs. Excuse me, Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, uh, protected first-round pick, not a not a heavily protected one though, and uh, swap rights in 2028. Uh, not too exciting there. The big one was the Nets and the 76ers. Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. 2022 first round pick, a 2027 first round pick, all going to Brooklyn in exchange for James Harden and Paul Millsap. Now, 76ers probably got the best value they could get out of Ben Simmons by getting back a MVP, a perennial all-star, a great scorer in James Harden. I still don't think this fixes the 76ers issues. I don't think James Harden is a champion. And I'll dive into that deeper in a, in a future episode. But at the end of the day, I, I mean, I think they did the best they could. I think they got a good return uh, overall. But I like what Brooklyn got too. Ben Simmons, you know, maybe being around KD will help him uh, work the way he needs to work. I'm not sure. Seth Curry continues to add shooting. Andre Jumman adds a little bit of defense, some rebounding, stuff like that. Plus, you get the first-round picks as well. So I like the get by Brooklyn. Uh, and, uh, and I think the 76ers probably got the best return that you could ask for, uh, in James Harden coming back. And then Paul Millsap can give you something if they choose to keep him around as well. 
Uh, Goran Dragic goes to the Spurs from Toronto. They're gonna. They said they're gonna buy him out. The big one also was a four-team trade: uh, Milwaukee, Sacramento, the Clippers, and Detroit. Milwaukee gets back Serge Ibaka and two future second-round picks plus cash. I think that's a great get for Milwaukee. Ibaka is definitely going to help them in the playoffs, especially the Kings. And I love what the Kings have been doing here uh, with the trades they've made. Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson come back uh, there as well. Lyles is a role player, but he can give you shooting. He also has good size uh, that he can give you a little bit down there in the post as well. DiVincenzo is an interesting get for the Kings there as well. The Clippers get Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale. Uh, I like that for the Clippers. Clippers have had a great trade deadline as well. And Marvin Bagley, Sacramento, finally able to get rid of him, sends him to Detroit. Uh, Utah gets Nikhil Alexander Walker. I love him. I can't believe Portland, uh, you know, was just, they're just trying to get out of money, I guess, but I thought you'd want to keep a young guy like him. Uh, Herman, Herman Gomez goes to Utah as well. Thomas Sadoransky to the Spurs with a second round pick, Joe Ingles, Elijah Hughes, and a second round pick to Portland and uh, not a whole lot there. Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson come over from Sacramento. Sacramento gets Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday as well as a second round pick. I love this. I love this for both teams. I think Sabonis is a bona fide all-star, a great fit in Sacramento. And I, I, like I said before, I really like what Sacramento did here at the trade deadline and the Pacers being able to get Halliburton. I mean, the whole league goes, wait a second, what Halliburton was available. Uh, apparently it was Pacers were able to get them. That's a good, good land for them. There was rumor they were going to try to move, but he healed still to another team, but uh, they did not do that. But he provides something there, basically what Jeremy Lamb provided for him. So uh, overall, I like the trade for both teams. Uh, and then of course, earlier CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, Tony Snell, all go to New Orleans. Portland received Josh Hart, Sadoransky, uh, Nikhila Alexander-Walker, who both of those guys got moved, and Lozada, Lozada as well with first-round pick and second-round picks uh, in that trade. I, I'd like it for New Orleans getting C.J. McCollum. I'm really discouraged by what Portland did. Uh, they just they really didn't get what they needed back uh, in these in these trades uh, to, to build. Now, maybe they created some space. Maybe that'll help them. Uh, sign somebody in the offseason, whatever it may be. I just, if I was a Portland fan, I'd be pretty discouraged right now. But overall, I like what Sacramento did. I like what Indiana did. I liked what Brooklyn uh, did in this trade deadline. The Clippers got better and the Bucks, I think, got better too. So uh, a lot of interesting trades. Of course, the big one is the Harden trade. And like I said, I'll dive into that a little bit more uh, uh, deeply here in future episodes. Uh, but a fun trade deadline, needless to say, big names getting moved, small names getting moved, uh, some kind of unbalanced trades uh, and teams being able to get out from underneath some guys as well. So uh, a fun, fun NBA draft deadline uh, goes around. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.